You know what time it is. Dream, Plan, Execute, Episode 2. This is your opportunity to learn from other individuals working on their entrepreneurial and project management dreams and how they implement their dream, plan, and execute. In this podcast, we'll explore the metaphysics of dreaming and how to follow and listen to your intuition. We'll explore strategies from project management such as planning, writing down goals, scheduling, and budgeting. Then we'll move to execution. We'll explore topics such as operational efficiency, mental toughness, grit, and using an athletic mindset. I'm your host, Ramon Parchment. Stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Evan, how are you doing? Hey, Mr. Parchment, how are you? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How is your day going? <laughs> uh, it is snowing like crazy right now. Um, really? So it's it's actually in South Korea right now. It's turned out to be a pretty beautiful morning. Oh, well, that's interesting. It was snowing yeah. early today in Minneapolis. So I guess we have the same weather conditions, huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm I'm ready for winter to end though, <laughs> despite how beautiful it is. Yeah, I hear that. Trust me, I completely get it. Sometimes I wake <laughs> up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I can't believe it's still snowing. When the summer comes back. It's hard to get out of bed when it's cold. <laughs> well, that's good, man. I'm happy that you're having a, a nice good morning. You know, you're welcome to the like, snow. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks and for having now, me on. Absolutely, no problem. I mean, ultimately, Evan, I you know I invite guests that I appreciate them for the person that they are because of the things that they do in life and the things that they're executing in life, right? So, for our guests who are now aware of our relationship, just give us um, a synopsis of what you've done so far on your life's journey. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, in the last, I guess I'll just start with the last 15 years. Um, I've lived in five different countries. I've worked on all different types of projects. Um, and I'm fluent in Spanish and obviously English. Um, I've experienced some pretty amazing and scary situations. Um, and all in all, have tried to keep some order and some control over over outcomes. Uh, and sometimes that has been futile and other times it has resulted in some of the most amazing experiences um, of my life. And uh, honestly, I, I, I can't even begin to understand what what past me would have thought if I told him that I would be living in South Korea uh, <laughs> during a pandemic for five years. I just like the last several years have just been been crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> like, we, we went to we went to Poly together, which is our engineering school together, and then from there, I remember when uh, one thing I really appreciate with you was your um your words of wisdom 
and your stoicness when you're going through problems, right? So uh, you're very, you're, you're very kind. <laughs> you'll be frantic going through some of these engineering problems, and you just um, have a very good spirit of you know command and respect just by staying calm. That's one thing I you know observed just being an engineer in school with you, and then you went abroad. I mean, everyone else is looking for. Uh, internships in school, trying to find an internship with a Con Edison or an engineering firm, and you decided to do what exactly? Let the audience know. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of a little crazy because I turned down an amazing offer uh, with a firm who will remain nameless, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, an amazing offer and you know, probably for one of the most amazing bosses I've ever had in my life, uh, because I just had this feeling that this wasn't it. Mm. And, and my wife, who, who we are still happily married, we're about to celebrate our 10 year anniversary this June. Oh, um, we, we met in the Peace Corps in Bolivia back in 2007, and we've been together ever since. Um, but she said, I remember verbatim, she just said, uh, Ev, I, I just, I need, I need something different. I need a change of scenery. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, we, we talked about it and, and we just said, okay, well, let's, let's try to apply for some positions abroad. And and we did for a while and nothing really tangible came about. And so we said, well, let's volunteer. Uh, and at the time I had colossal debt from NYU. Um, those of us who have graduated know what I'm talking right. about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I, we left the United States with enough. I remember I had, I had enough to pay 13 months on the minimum payments and, and they were all private loans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, nothing was subsidized by the government or anything like that. And I said, well, okay, let's volunteer. We'll sign up for a 12 year contract. Or 12 month, I'm sorry, a 12 month contract. And we've got 13 months in the bank to, to pay on those loans. And so that's what we did. Um, and, and from there, things just kind of uh, rolled out. Um, and, and I'm pleased to say that three days ago, I made my final payment um, on my student loans. Um, and so it's pretty remarkable to go from being uh, six, six figures in debt Right. to uh in just about seven years um you know pay, paying that off i'm very very privileged very fortunate and you also got some life experiences out of it because you know you leave in america <laughs> and then you wait where, where exactly did you um do your peace corps um projects at so um like I said, my wife and I met in our first Peace Corps service in Bolivia, and then we right. lived in New York City for six years. Um, and then after that, we ended up signing on for what's called Peace Corps Response, which is uh, typically shorter term services um, in which you you function in more of a professional role uh, okay. where you have a specific specific role and a specific job that you're supposed to fulfill during that time period. And so... I was working um, out of uh, Bocas del Toro, um, Panama, mm. and uh, which is on the, I guess, the way that Panama is situated geographically. It's it's on the northwestern border uh, with Costa Rica, and um, 
just beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, and I was actually walking miles uh, into the jungle with local guides, uh, local indigenous guides to investigate and assess rural gravity flow water systems. And so my charge was basically to identify what the status was and, you know, seeing anything from, hey, it's completely foobard, like it is broken and there's no water getting to the town to, hey, this, this uh, community is doing a phenomenal job uh, with maintenance. They've rallied, they're, they're adding to the system, they've increased the flow rate and also the capacity. Um, and that was really just phenomenal and humbling, uh, humbling to, to know that at any given moment, if I lost my guide, I'd be eaten by a jaguar somewhere in the Panamanian jungle, <laughs> you know, like I was not going to survive out there on my own. Like there was just no right. way. <laughs> I mean, that, so, that, that speaks to um, the courageous spirit of following um, a dream though, because, you know, I don't, a lot of times we have these ideas in our head, this intuition. I speak to intuition. This, and you, you don't, you don't have it formulated a hundred percent, but it's just this gut feeling like this is what I should be doing. Um, mm. And you, you followed that. You've been very keen on um, following your intuition, regardless of what the mainstream thought pattern at that moment would have been around you. Like, oh, you stay, stay in New York. You have a nice cushy job that you could get at New York. Why go all the way over outside of the country to um, follow this dream, which you did, and um, you've gotten an amazing life experience. So help us understand how you moved from being in uh, South America to now being in South Korea. So before, I do want to address that. Um, yeah. Before I get to that, I, I kind of want to bring project management into mm -hmm it a little early on i'm sure that you have your design for for breaking it in later yeah i just wanted to kind of quickly highlight that one of the reasons why i continually come back to project management is because it's all about calculated risk taking right um we we identify the risks we figure out how to mitigate the ones that we can mitigate uh we get rid of the ones that we can and then sometimes we have to accept a certain amount of risk uh, that is inevitable. And so with my life, what I've found is that every, every decision that I have made, every amazing opportunity that I've faced or the, or the ways in which I have grown the most have always been based upon, I can trace them back throughout my life. They've always been based upon some risk that I've taken and it, and it's scary, right? I mean, these, this, there's so much fear that comes with what I like to say, being unconventional, going against the mold or against the flow. And, and I would say that this is, this is the single most important thing in my life is that I will never be conventional mm. um, except for the fact that you know, I'm a white man from Connecticut. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, this is probably pretty conventional, depending right. on who you speak to. Um, so let me get let me get get to your question now mm -hmm. about how did I end up in, in South Korea from that? And 
I think my grandiose plan, right, when we left mm -hmm. New York City was that my wife had always intended to work in international education. And so this is what she was going to do. Right. And I was going to be a partnering spouse who worked in nonprofit, uh, either through one of the many engineering nonprofits that, that operate abroad. There are a number of really, really phenomenal programs. Most recent comes to mind, uh, Bridges to Prosperity, which is just a phenomenal nonprofit, which I highly recommend um, listeners check out if they haven't already. And so I started looking at these nonprofits and applying and at some point, the realization came to me that if I were accepted in a position, I would be taking that position from someone who was a country national who would otherwise maybe be able to benefit more. And of course, no coincidence, I wasn't selected for several positions that I applied for anyway. And so that was a convenient shift in mindset, um, but also a valuable one. So I started looking at other opportunities and right around the 11 month mark, when we started reaching the end of our Peace Corps service in Panama, uh, Kate, my wife got, uh, she got a, a call from a school in Managua and they wanted her to come teach there. And so we kind of did some calculations, figured out what our bottom line was. I had a spreadsheet, of course. Yes. that I mapped out, you know, all my calculations for and, and we could make it work financially. And so we decided to move there. Plus, it was a border away and it wasn't going to be a tremendously intense transition. Well, I like about how you go about what you just said, which is um, strategic risk management, right? Which was, <laughs> you know, taking out the Excel sheet. I mean, it sounds yeah. oh, yeah. like, um, I, <laughs> you know, paint drying on walls to um, some people, but it really helps just um, putting down your thoughts on paper, right? And having the, having the budget and kind of seeing the problems that could arise. You, you're putting these numbers on the paper and you're seeing the problem that you never necessarily seen um, mm -hmm. prior to putting it on, a, on paper and putting it in a budget. And I'm sure you had an idea schedule-wise how you wanted to sequence your, your you know, moving from uh, South America to now South Korea. So how do you normally go about, I would say, like goal setting and scheduling in general? Mm -hmm. How do you goal normally... Goal setting and scheduling, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say for goal setting... Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of smart goals for me, just because I need to see tangible progress. I like being able to measure the steps that I'm taking and see that progress bar, right? That metaphorical progress bar of going from 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50%, et cetera. And I, I was chuckling a little bit when you said, um, you know, having this sort of organizational component using spreadsheets. Uh, I like to say that, you know, Microsoft Office was uh, definitely an instrumental tool in getting me out of debt. Mm. Uh, and because it allowed me to see that progress. And the same is true for goal setting. Um, maybe your goal is, hey, I want to work for a Fortune 500 company and I want to make a six figure salary. So how, how is that going to come to be, right? Uh, you have to break it down into smaller pieces. 
So maybe the first step is, okay, I'm going to put together a rough resume and then I'm going to consult with one of my friends who is currently realizing that specific goal and get that, get feedback. Right. So maybe the first step is, okay, compile my work history. Right. So a lot of times um, in my past and in my life, I've, I've become overwhelmed with a goal that is too large. And I've found that when you can break it down first, right, sort of this idea in project management of referring to like a work breakdown structure, you do that with your goal. And then from there, you can figure out, okay, what are the tasks in each of these specific major milestones that can allow me to start to make progress toward that goal? Uh, and I think that that's super instrumental. And I would say, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, uh, a friend of mine, I'll never forget many years ago said to me, you know, Evan, and this is kind of along the, the lines of, you know, the famous quote, um, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. And this is kind of cliche, but he says, uh, there's no harm in asking, right. What's the worst that will happen? Someone might say no, but you're no worse off than you were if you hadn't asked. And I think that this is such powerful advice is that I think we're, we're so afraid of rejection and what might happen that we never actually take that risk. We never actually step forward and ask for help. And so I think with goal setting, if you feel lost, talk to someone um, because it can make a world of difference in, in, just, in just getting that motivation to get started. No, that's 100% true because I always think of a dartboard and you have the darts and if you're not throwing the darts at the board, you're not even giving yourself a chance to hit bullseye. So you just you just stopped yourself from even getting that opportunity. And one of the biggest things is we're collectively better and we think to be, think together. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we have planning rooms that in, in construction yeah. management, you'll have your planning, the electrician, the plumber, the carpenter, um, the site manager, safety guy, and you're just making sure that everyone gets a chance to really put their portion of their ideas into it to come up with a, mm. a plan that works, you know, that actually can get executed. And, you know, having good friends, I mean, just someone who's even going through the problem, someone who's passed that problem to tell you, hey, this is how I got through this problem. Uh, even me going to engineering school was me reaching out to an older cousin. It's like, hey, you should think about going to, at the time, Polytechnic University. And from there, uh, the rest is history. But ultimately, just having someone who you respect or you admire, give feedback, critical feedback to what you're trying to accomplish and help you kind of delineate. This is what makes sense. And um, that's that's instrumental. I mean, if you if you are doing if you're setting goals, you really should, like you said, set big milestone goals, right? Something that you know you want to hit, but breaking them out into tangible, manageable, incremental steps um, is uh, it, I consider it, they call it a dopamine ladder. You you hit small goals, it you know it turns into bigger goals, and and you you feel good, you feeling good, people see you feeling good, so you do more. Um, people want to help you because you're working at a goal that makes sense for you. It's just it's just you snowball yourself into a positive feedback loop. So I, I appreciate you um breaking it out for the audience like that. One thing I wanted to ask you is, and I think 
everyone struggles with this too is staying motivated um mm. and dealing with mindfulness while you're going through because you have your plan you, you you put your schedule down you put the plan together you have a dream on a goal you start working at it let's talk about two three four weeks into three four months as still working at that goal and seeing not as much progress as you would like how do you stay motivated how do you stay mindful in moments like that yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say diet is a huge part of that mm. and maybe that's not a conventional response but your your food and what you put into your body and how your brain uses that energy in order to process your environment, the obstacles that you're facing, the challenges that you're about to face, the emotions and the chemical responses that, that your body biologically is going to eventually cause you to experience. This is all related to the energy that you're taking in. So I would say there are many different sources obviously of energy but one of them is definitely the physical energy right the biological energy the food the other one is what does your environment look like are you surrounding yourself with people who are typically negative and that doesn't make them bad people it just means that what is their energy like what what kind of thoughts are entering your consciousness when you're starting to feel maybe discouraged or burnt out and I would say that you need to make time for you as well and people that you love and you need to be present for that time. So when you are carving out rest or opportunities to reconnect with loved ones, be present in those moments. So that means at times shutting off social media, turning off technology completely, going for a walk, sitting on a bench in the sun, for me, it means maybe a meditation practice or yoga or rock climbing. Some sort of physical exercise can also help to kind of reset the mind and help you tackle any other struggles that you might have been experiencing in a different sort of way. Uh, it, can, it can just give you that opportunity to reset. Um, and that, that's, that comes... That's important. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was saying that's important, what you just said. Um, it's just, I think, ultimately, especially with feeling low, like feeling low energy, uh, I I typically just work on the process. I just mm -hmm. know that, you know, life, the same way you have winter, you have summer, right? And I know eventually I'll feel a little better if I keep mm -hmm. working on uh the goal, but slowly, not as fast as if I would in a, a high energy moment, reaching out to friends. I think mm -hmm. if you have a good friend group, sometimes it's just it's a good feeling to reach out to a friend and just say, hey, how are you doing? And have, yeah, a, have totally. a conversation. And you come out of that conversation, like we've had conversations before I come out of, you know, <laughs> you feel so much better just being yeah. able to just talk to somebody i mean it's true. It's true. It's true. And, and you you are you know we are you know goal oriented working hard getting stuff done but it's one of the key things that are missed at times is just being able to 
have a what you consider a coffee break, right? That's what you would yeah. consider a coffee authentic break. Authentic human connection. Nothing, nothing more than hey, how are you doing? How is school? Mm-hmm. How is work? Oh, the kids are doing all right, you know, and just genuinely listening to the person and you know giving your you know thought um, thoughts on what was going on in their life and they're giving their thoughts on what's going on in your life and having a good friend group really Without helps you um, bringing back that energy and the vitality to you. Or it could be even your your spouse, you know, just reaching out to them at work and saying, "Hey, how are you doing, babe? How's your day going?" Um, it's pretty important. Do you have any motivational speakers you listen to in moments yeah. like that or books that you that you read? Um, before I get to that, I just want to say that you know you you mentioned sort of understanding the process and trusting that there are going to be ups and downs, mm-hmm. and that the moments that you're down kind of focus on the step by step, put one foot in front of the other. And I will say that in a best case scenario, yes, it's lovely if that's possible. But Ramon, you are amazing. The just the way in which you interface with the world and your ability to persevere, to overcome, to conceptualize a problem and tackle it. You know, this is one of the things that I have always admired about you. And one of the things that I remember about you at our time at NYU is that you are really, you're unique in this way. Um, and I think that for, for listeners who might be on the fence of saying, yeah, but I, I just don't know how to do that. Um, you know, I think that you have a lot of wisdom and a lot of perspective to share on that and. And I just wanted to kind of take a moment and highlight that uh, as, as a quality and leading into the next thing of people who motivate me, you know, you're definitely on that list um, before I, I get into some of the bigger names. I appreciate that. And just, just um, to add to that, I think one of the things that I've recognized and they're like key moments in my life that have happened that I took an aha moment from and it never left me. And that's why part of the podcast was saying having an athletic mindset or frame of mind. So in seventh grade, I don't think I told everybody this before, anyone really, we don't, I, I, I became national champion in Jamaica for tennis, right? In sixth, seventh grade. Prior to that, two years before that, I didn't pick up a racket. Never played tennis, mm-hmm. never watched the sport. In fact, the only reason why I even played the sport is because my mom gave me a racket and said, you're going to go play tennis. <laughs> and I, I was, so I, I'm there, I have this racket, I'm hitting the ball, it's going all over the place. I was short, I was fat, I'm running around, I'm out of breath. I mean, everything you could think of going wrong went wrong that first day. And <laughs> I just continued playing. I just con- continued playing. Uh, the coach encouraged me. And that's why it's helpful when you're in your formative time that you have encouragement, right? Mm. And the coach encouraged me. He's like, listen, you know, I can see you're trying, but, you know, just keep coming. Just keep coming back. If you keep coming back, you'll get better, right? And I just focused on that. As long as I come back to the table or come back to the court and keep playing, I'm going to get better. And I started playing at lunchtime. I started playing after school. And 
as I continue to get better, I continue to get more motivation to play. And as I keep getting more motivation to play, you start recognizing everyone around you started to recognize that, okay, you're really focused on playing tennis. How can I help you on this goal to becoming a good tennis player? Oh, I watched this video on this person. You should watch it. And you start realizing that the world starts shaping to this goal that you're fixated on if you put enough effort and time into it, right? And so I did that for literally two years, lunchtime and after school until there was literally no lights. There was no lights on the court, sundown, and I came every day. Saturdays, Sundays, until at the end of sixth grade, I passed for a pretty good school, Arden High, for all the Arden, Ardenites out there. And then I also, also won regional and national champion and also got the principal award. And at that moment, I recognized, long as I do the same principle with anything that I'm doing, I'm going to get the job done, which is just focusing on that small tangible step and the Japanese call it Kaizen, which is doing small tangible mm -hmm. steps each day. And it becomes a practice. It's not, um, I don't, it's just, you get into a flow of, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm focused on this, like you said, present moment of just deliberating and practicing as best as I can at this moment. And if I keep doing that for a prolonged period of time, I'm going to get the result that I'm looking for. And so I've always taken that moment and I've applied it literally to anything that I've decided to do. You don't start perfect. You'll never be perfect. You're going to be sloppy. It's going to not work out. But as you keep going, that's why we all gravitate to engineering, that iterative uh, momentum you get from starting with a product that's not that great and then iterating into greatness. So that's where that comes from. And I, and I appreciate you saying that because I, I think that's one of the reasons why we stay connected because we saw in each other something that we appreciated in each other, you know? And um, I appreciated you even coming. You, you leave where you are and you know, come and visit me at work just to see if I'm doing okay. And the moments like that, that's it's heartfelt, and I, I want people to know that because I think you lead with with your heart, and that that's a good thing to have in leadership because I do see you as a, a leader because of the personality type that you have. So, um, some of the obstacle um, obstacles that you've had to overcome, such as like. Everyone has had moments where they, they procrastinate. How do you find your way through um, stopping yourself from procrastinating? Or if you feel like you're getting off the wagon, how do you um, like reorient yourself? Mm. So this is tied to the motivational speaker uh, question. Mm -hmm. And I think that two things. Motivational speakers can really help fire me up and, and, and give me that motivation, help help restore that motivation. Music as well. Music really is uh, a window to, to the soul and I think has helped me in moments when I couldn't concentrate or when I felt burnt out to just kind of, you know, I, I hear you describing in that story. First of all, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I, I of all of our conversations, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm shocked that 
you know, this image of a relatively rotund you with a tennis racket sweating <laughs> from dusk till dawn has not come up before. So, so I'm just, I'm just pausing to appreciate that a little bit. Cause like yeah. anybody who knows you knows that you're like a chiseled, beautiful man now and <laughs> incredibly in shape and fit. <laughs> so um, just, just taking a minute to appreciate that. Um, and then I would say, motivational speakers that that really call to me recently i've been reading beyond entrepreneurship 2.0 by jim collins which um the original uh book was actually published by him and at the time his lifelong friend uh, bill lazier mm. and um it really highlights leadership in a new light and you mentioned leading from the heart and mm -hmm. so I will say that Jim Collins really hits the nail on the head where that's concerned. And then I would introduce the next book that I've listened to on um, audiobook. Uh, it's Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, just teaching us vocabulary and the ability to explain and communicate what emotions are present and being able to understand what we feel, where it comes from and why uh, we might be feeling it. Um, another book on my list is, of course, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Um, on my to-read list uh, are Iko Bethia, You Are the Best Thing, Tasha Ulrich, uh, Insight, Adam Grant, Think Again, and Simon Sinek, The Infinite Game. Um, and I think that these are seven books that I think if, if people are curious about leadership or wanting to expand their understanding of where the social movement is concerned or, or the mental health movement is concerned or diversity, equity, inclusion are concerned in the workspace right now, specific to leadership and project management, I would highly recommend picking up one of these seven or all of these seven and just kind of taking a browse um so that's uh that's that and then i'll answer your question more directly uh and that is that again how do i stay motivated i give myself gifts you know you mentioned just getting that little dopamine hit or or building those positive endorphins you know when we take on too much and we don't finish it it can be really discouraging and we'll see a drop in productivity but if we take on a big project, we break it down into parts and we focus on relatively easy tasks first. What we do is we can build momentum. We can build this sort of positive encouragement and this positive feedback loop in our mind. And before we know it, we're making real progress. And I would say timing has a lot to do with it. Um, I would recommend early in the morning. Now this is different for everyone, but Typically, when you wake up is when your brain is ready to process new ideas and new things. So, you know, get yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or food or whatever it is that you're, is your morning routine. And before you turn on social media, before you turn on a TV or whatever other distraction might be tempting in that moment, actually open up your work instead, if, if your schedule allows and try to focus on maybe those tasks that were really stumping you the day before or the week before, the things that you're afraid 
to look at because it resulted in a not so good outcome the last time you did. And that's what I would recommend. No, that's amazing because uh, just taking on that first test, that's the highest priority test that you know you need to do that you're not doing at the time that you're the freshest is a, a gem because the moment you get past it, you're going to feel so good going after all the other tests, right? And I, I use a very key term that I like, which is building momentum. And that's something, especially as a field superintendent, you look to do with your trades because the moment you build momentum, everyone's engaged, everyone's excited to do the job that's in front of them, which is to you know, build this building. But once you start seeing the momentum shift into everyone feeling a little you know, unmotivated. It's your job as a superintendent on site to find ways to motivate the team. And it's simple things too. It could be just an approval of a submittal or a response. Like for instance, we had specific to this job receptacles that need to go underneath the floor for the data hall and where they were located on the drawing versus what the client want wasn't necessarily accurate. The drawings weren't accurate to what the client wants. You have seven or eight guys already started the work. You have to stop the work. That's killing the So getting that response as quickly as you can so you can keep everyone engaged and flowing and not standing around waiting for the response is one of the key moments that you just have to dial in on. And that's where your work experience and understanding the nuance of being a project manager and then taking that nuance and building it into your life. There are things that if you get past them, it'll open up a threshold of more activities for you to, you know, uh, to develop on, but you just have to get nuanced with what are these key roadblocks that if I remove this roadblock, it's going to allow the flow of momentum to continue you know, progressing into this project. And like the podcast said, your life is like a project. You are the project manager of your life. And so it one of the key things that I love about project management is how transferable what you learned at work transfers into your life. Absolutely. And, and flows. So what do you do for fun? What's like your fun thing to do? <laughs> well, my wife and I are both 500 hour yoga instructors really so wow. receive 500 hours of yoga teacher training. Um, she's definitely much more focused and committed on that than I am, but it was a beautiful experience that we both were able to have together. But I would say for me personally, I really love to rock climb. Uh, it's probably the thing that I would choose to do with my free time it's the thing that I would choose every time. Um, obviously, you know, excluding spending time with my, my beautiful partner and, um, you know, experiencing things that are social and engaging in, in opportunities to connect with loved ones. But, you know, for my personal time, that that's, that's what I would choose to do every time it is meditative and empowering for me and has really unlocked a lot of emotional and mental blockages, uh, specifically pertaining to 
challenges in my life that have been present for many years. And so it's, it's empowering and, and just amazing to experience for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how um, the physical uh, translates into met the metaphysical world because mm -hmm. climbing the rock, I mean, just the thought of, you know, starting from the bottom, getting to the top, the challenges that you have on the moments of fear, like, can I actually, you know, get that hold? Can I enough to get my foot into the crevice of the rock? I mean, there's so many, uh, I can only <laughs> imagine and the reason why I can imagine is because I've been not in rock climbing, but just from, like I said, from the athletic mindset where, you know, if you play that sport, you get, you know, being in those, you know, high pressure moments where mm -hmm. um, you, you know, you have to summon the confidence in yourself. Um, yeah. You, you either, get, you either get the hold or you fall, you know, and, <laughs> and falling right. is scary. And you could apply that as a metaphor or literally. Right. Yeah. No, no, that's definitely um, one. Of the, I did some small amounts of rock climbing. Uh, it's a tough sport. I can only respect the persons who dedicate their time and effort into um, becoming very good at it. Um, where do you normally climb? Do you climb outdoors or are you an indoor climber mainly? My preference is outdoors, but obviously during mm -hmm. the winter months, it's off season. So there are some indoor gyms that we can go to here um, on Jeju Island. Um, gotcha. But I definitely, there's just something about experiencing the natural environment, being back in nature. And you want to talk about reducing stress levels, spend some time in nature, go for a walk, and you'll see that your levels of stress will diminish greatly. Um, and so I think you know, you mentioned just like, I, I think, I think you were talking about what I do for fun. Right. And, and I think that it's not just, it's not just fun. It's, it's, it's also still purposeful mm. because I've, because I've seen firsthand what I get out of it. Right. I know that there is return on that investment. Right. And, and so it's not just fun. It's, it's, it's more purposeful than that, I guess. Mm, okay. I, I, and I, and I appreciate it because, um, for me, I don't, I don't go rock climbing anymore or play tennis in the cold in Minnesota, but, um, <laughs> uh, myself and my coworker, which is, um, he's an amazing individual. I mean, we're talking about Navy officer, lawyer, right. And then, ended up doing construction his whole life and you know he runs his job with me right mm -hmm. he's general super insight and we keep each other accountable to working out right so if we call if i come in the office the first thing we ask each other did you work out and the reason we ask that uh, is there's this moment when you're when i'm running it's not it's not for just the 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 optics of running but there are moments where you know you feel like stopping and you're like no i'm not and, and that moment translates to everything else that I do. Like there are moments where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing this right now, but I end up doing it because I've callous or conditioned my mind through that activity. Um, mm -hmm. There's also studies talking about depression and sunlight. 
obviously mm-hmm. there's seasonal depression because there's a lack of sunlight and as much sunlight as you can get. Um, I was listening to the Hubert Lab podcast um, today. I love his podcast. He's an amazing mm-hmm. um, person and his detail in this understanding the biochemistry of the human body and what con- constitute motivation and what sleep deprivation causes on you. And the lack of sunlight is what causes a lot of people to be unmotivated. Um, that getting that initial sunlight and walking while getting the sunlight resets your body. Also drinking water in the morning, that's the first thing that he recommends. Drinking water in the morning, getting sunlight and walking. And you feel so much better and more motivated than anything else just doing that consistently in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast, Evan. Uh, can yeah, you likewise. give us... The pleasure is mine. Give us your, uh, your social media handles. I want people to be able to um, <laughs> meet and understand who Evan is. <laughs> this is going to shock you but um mm-hmm. i i am on linkedin you can there search you for me just uh evan wilk w-i-l-k-e uh, i don't really operate social media honestly i'm on twitter at evan wilk uh, no periods no spaces um but honestly the amount of time that i would otherwise be maintaining a presence on social media mm-hmm. i spend that on things that give back to me directly and and maybe maybe this is a an opportunity for improvement on my end to maybe step it up a little bit and get with the program no, so no, no, we'll have, have a follow-up combo <laughs> no not at all i mean listen i think linkedin is an amazing social media platform personally i i think it 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 does the job that it needs to do and it keeps you fo- you know persons focus on um that portion of their life. So I, I completely understand uh, not having social media handles personally, because well, even for you to say it. No, seriously, no. It's it, and it's the truth. It's not even just saying it. It is really um, one of the greatest things that I, or I think, the travesty of this world is technology has given us so much tools to be productive. I mean, mm-hmm. just the idea of us being able to do a podcast, build a website, um, write without having to, you know, white out or tear the sheets up. There's so much productivity. You yourself or anyone else can literally do the work of 12 persons or even a team of people, graphic designers, callers, and we get stuck um, just scrolling through Instagram or Facebook. I mean... Mm -hmm. It, it, so when I when I frame my mind like that, I'm like, we have an opportunity to create and build things, mm-hmm. right? That can help people. The, the, the tool was made to be productive. So let's use the tool for what it was intended initially to do, which is to help us be more productive. And on that note, I am so happy you were able to come on the, the podcast. Um, I wish you all the best and any dreams our goals you have, you know, you have me <laughs> to help you execute it, brother. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ramon. And it's been a pleasure. Um, and if, uh, 
if you don't mind, I'd like to pass along one bit of uh, sort of a lesson that I'm continually learning um, to the listeners. Go ahead, sir. Absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about organizing and controls and things that that steps that we can actively take right to realize whatever that goal is or whatever that life is that we want but at the end of the day at some point every single one of us will reach that moment where actually holding on and trying to control and trying to organize is the last thing we should do at some point, we need to slow down and just trust the process, trust that we have done everything that we possibly can and that it's out of our hands. And this is not an easy thing to put to practice. I still struggle with it. And yet what it allows us to do is it allows us to release some of the emotional attachment that we have to outcomes. Mm. And it will improve our ability to bounce back. It will improve our ability to overcome challenge. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's, that's one piece of advice. And then the last piece of advice that I would say is fail often. Do not be afraid of failure. Embrace it and fail as often as you possibly can. Um, because you'll develop strategies to overcome that failure, to work through that failure. And eventually things will get a little easier after each subsequent opportunity for growth. Let's not use failure. Let's say that instead. Um, no, that's beautiful. They said that's a hundred percent. I appreciate you even, you know, taking the time to put that together because you're a hundred percent right. Um, the track coaches in Jamaica would tell uh, sprinters to run at 85% versus trying to run at 100. And the reason for that is that you relax more. Even when you go to a boxing coach, you're not as tense. And so because you're not as tense and you're not trying so hard, you actually perform better. So um, I love that. Yeah, it, it definitely Go, go through is. life 85%. Yeah. And you, get, you give yourself you give yourself that grace. I was, it's funny. I was talking to a friend about this. Like, it's in life. I always talk about like 80-20 um, rule. And I think everyone knows about the 80-20. But even with people, I always um, judge people 80-20. So it's like if the person 80% of the time is a great person, you are give them the latitude to make the mistake to, for that 20, right? And, you know, be able to um, forgive and overcome, you know, the, 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 the grievances that you guys have. Now, if it's flipped the other way, that's somewhere you should try your best to avoid. You know, where if 80% of the time it's a problem, it's contentious, it's not working, you know, that's a completely different scenario. But give that, that, that flow that you speak about is something that resonates through everything, with friendships, with project management, with life. It's a life lesson. So I appreciate you for that, brother. Awesome, man. Thank you for, for those words of wisdom, too. Just uh, brilliant. Thank you. All right. Keep safe, brother. Yeah, you too, man. Okay. Thanks, Ramon.
We've come to the end of the episode. Always remember the road to greatness is long and hard. Always focus on progress over perfection. Execute relentlessly. Like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you soon. Keep safe.